Hey, this is Kyle from Brand Sacrifice, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to another new edition of Interview Under Fire. This is your host, Sonny, this time along with Kyle Anderson. Quite the honor. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today in IOF. You know, Kyle, this is an important yet exciting time coming up here in the month of March for you and the rest of the guys over at the Mighty Brand of Sacrifice, or you guys also known as the Branded Ones, with the release of your newest studio album, Lifeblood, drops March 5th on Blood Blast Distribution. And I just want to say congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. You know, shout outs to the other revered publications like Metal Injection, Loudwire, NotFest, Metal Sucks. That list goes on. And I want to shout out to your manager, Brad. You know, I've followed Brad you know, on his work with Banger and before that for a long time. And he's the best at his business at what he does. So shout out to Brad as well. You know, so much to unravel about this beast of a record. But before we get to that, Kyle, I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off. It's a simple one. How are you, man? (laughs) Because considering where we are at at our lives at this point, you know, how's life in Toronto right now? Well, in Toronto, we just started opening things up a little bit. Uh, we were under sort of state of emergency for a while. Right. And uh, we had most of the businesses closed except the essentials. Um, so that's starting to change a little bit. I'm hoping to get back to the to the gym. That would be nice. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> Same here, so man. <laughs> I, I've been all right. Um, I've been very excited about the record. That's been sort of keeping me sane and keeping me busy. Uh, and, but that said, uh, I made a post today on Facebook talking about how I was binging the show Superstore on Netflix. <laughs> and I, I realized that I was really into the show, not because it's a great show. Cause it is, yeah, it but is, it's a connection to Walmart, which is kind of my second home while I'm on the road. Cause we always stop at Walmart every day Takes to, you back. to fuel up and whatnot. So it's kind of a way for me to feel like, you know, I'm connected still in a sense. So bit weird but that's that's something i've noticed has been happening lately hey making the best of a situation is easier said than done and i tell this to all my guests you know kyle life as of late many of us have also been away from the stage a lot you know fans and musicians alike Mm -hmm. but how are you keeping up your monsters vocals these days is that affecting your musicianship has anything changed for your routine wise lately if at all um, I haven't been doing vocals as much as I would if I'm on the road, but that's yeah. pretty normal. I usually t- will take breaks when I'm off the road, but I have been recording. I've done some features and, uh, the entire record was actually written and recorded during COVID. So as far as that wow. goes, uh, it's, it's pretty fresh. It's not something we've been sitting on for a year or anything like that. It's, it was written very recently. So I've been, uh, tending to my vocals in that sense, recording a lot. You know, and Brand of Sacrifice, you guys have been around since 2018. It doesn't feel like a, it feels like you guys have been around for decades, considering the just <laughs> the sound that you guys have established. But let's talk about you for a second, because uh, you've done some extensive touring throughout your uh, just the last couple of years already. You know, how was that touring like for you personally? You know, before the interview started, we talked about the Summer Slaughter tour where you guys played with Carnifex, Cattle Decapitation, The Faceless. Then we talked about the Rings of Saturn tour. You guys played at Heavy Montreal turning thousands of heads in your direction, which will turn into millions. And now we're all kind of just taking an unexpected step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? You know, because we're talking food, culture, fans, so many things to pick apart about what makes touring amazing. What was your biggest takeaway from that? Um, 
so if I just want to take it back, because we, while we have done many tours, they're all sort of in a row. Uh, yeah. Because the band's, like you said, has only been around since 2018. So our, our first tour was actually May of uh, 2019. And that was with our, our good friends in Signs of the Swarm, uh, Depths of Hatred, and, and Sentinels. And we actually opened that. It was the very first tour. Our first show on the road, being a band from Toronto, was actually in Trenton, New Jersey, of all places. <laughs> um, and that was definitely a very difficult tour uh, as far as we just didn't have all the resources we need needed to start. We just had a van. We didn't even have a trailer or anything. So that was tough. But I was still excited to be on the road, even though... Um, it was a little bit more difficult and right from there, uh, surprisingly then we, we then got the opportunity to, uh, join the summer slaughter tour. It was something we actually had to confirm within like that next hour kind of thing. Wow. I think the original band that was going to open it up didn't pan out. So we confirmed it right away and jumped on that. We got a few more resources, but, uh, we didn't have air conditioning that tour and it was blazing hot during the summer, of course, and, and many parts of the states that we were visiting and Canada. And uh, so that those were very hard tours to do. Um, but I would, I would not change them for one thing. And also I would go back to that in an instant if I could right now, based on how, where we're at right now with the pandemic. Yeah. If I could go back to those times and be blazing hot without air conditioning. I would totally do it. That's how much I love being on the road. So yeah, it's always those little things that start to stand out when you look back, you know, I mean, I don't know how it was. I'm sure it was the same way for you before the pandemic started. I, mean, I was at a show every week, you know, covering, you know, amazing, talented artists like yourselves. And now we're, you know, we're almost a year removed from the experience and a very popular topic on Interview Under Fire for the last year. I can't believe it's been a year already. I mean, we're coming up on that date pretty soon, you know, and you've seen this. A lot of bands have done it live streaming. Uh, a lot of the bands, what they do on stage are taking it on the screen like we're doing right now. Obviously, these interviews will be in person. You know, Code Orange was one of the first bands to do it. They did that empty performance and uh, that performance at an empty venue, stream it for the fans. We've had bands like Lamb of God and Behemoth. August Burns Red came on the show. They talked about their experience on doing the live streaming. But let me ask you this. Considering what you just talked about with all the experience that you've taken in, with all the, the people that you've met, the, the collaborations, just the places you've been. Do you think that the quarantine induced live streaming surge that's going on right now, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your perspective? Like, do you still see bands doing something like this, even after all this is over? Um, I think it's possible that it will remain. It won't be as frequent because it's the only hmm. option right now. But I think there is definitely uh, a place for it. I think bands maybe that are taking a break or writing a record, that's something that would be nice to supplement uh, in the meantime if they can't be on the road. Um, you could. So a lot of those are pre-recorded, uh, so that's something you could organize and, and make happen. Um, and in, in this digital age, uh, you know, I grew up watching old live DVDs shows. <laughs> yeah, you know, cattle decapitation DVDs and things like that. Um, those are things that I think will start to be like a pay-per-view stream service, you know, fully dialed into soundboard. You're getting, you can able to, you're able to hear everything that's going on in full detail. I think that'll be something that still exists and it'll be more frequent than it used to be while touring was going, but it won't be as frequent as it is right now that we can't tour. So it's kind of going to be in between is, is my guess. Yeah. And that's a great response. Cause there's no right or wrong answer to what you just talked about. Cause I've had artists who say, yeah. 
Um, I would love to do live streaming. It still allows me access to engage with my fans and have some artists who say, oh, I'm not doing shit until all this is over, you know? So, and of course I have the liberty to mosh in my own room for as long as I want, but you know, how much longer can I do it for? You did the live streaming. Now, how creative can you get? So it's always interesting to hear from your, you know, from an artist perspective, like yourself, even though it's only been a couple of years, because you've, you guys have already experienced a lot. Now, speaking of which, let's talk about, uh, that second album, that experience that you guys have put in for all the listeners out there, Lifeblood, comes out March 5th. I know we've talked about so much already. Let's talk about that right now on Blood Blast Distribution. And this is the follow-up to the 2019 record, God Hand, which debuted at number 20 on Billboard's Heat Seeker album chart, uh, which is a huge step for you guys. Now, first things first, was there any pressure when you guys got together to write new material since then? Uh, I don't think there was any pressure. We sort of do things um, online in a sense. So uh, Leo, the guitar player, is responsible for the writing and he actually does the mixing and production as well. Okay. I chime in a little bit with some of the writing as far as instrumental goes, but it's a very small percentage. Uh, But uh, I do all my own vocals uh, at home here and I do all my own production in that sense. So, that's the way we've made music Leo and I in prior projects as well. Um, so it was not different in that sense, but what did change was we gained touring experience. Uh, Leo was able to join us. He doesn't always tour with us because he's got a, a job in big tech that sort of takes up most of his time, but he'll, he'll join selective tours during the year uh, while we're going. So he was able to join us on our European run with rings of Saturn. And uh, we, we took mental notes during that. Uh, and I already had some in my mind from touring of what was working in a live setting, what songs were uh, popping off more, what parts had more reaction, what are other bands doing, uh, what can we learn from them? Those were things we, we had in our mind. And then we sort of look back at the record and the response that God Hand had and what, what do people really like about it? What do people not like so much? And then so we, we doubled down on the things people really liked, I think. And then we also did a couple of uh, housekeeping things. We wanted to focus on song structure a little more on this album and have repeating choruses because that's not something you find too, too often with very extreme music. It's usually sort of a non-standard song structure for the most part, mm-hmm. which we do have a couple of those songs on the album. But uh, I think those things just came together um, pretty seamlessly because we're used to that process. But uh and uh, since we had downtime because of COVID, it was easy for me to really focus on things and get and dive in deep without having to worry about jumping back on the road in that sense. So, hey, it's sometimes it's OK to keep things basic. You know, that's I mean, you got to remind people, hey, this is how this is how it is. And then here's how our taste on how we want to sound. Now, I don't know if you're much of a gamer, but when I when I heard this album, I was thinking Doom Eternal over and over and over. And I, I remember Doom Eternal came out. I had to actually play Doom Eternal as I was listening to Lifeblood. And it just fit in right on the dot. And I remember going to your website. You guys have this amazing platform on the website where it's like a it's a it's a virtual 3D type of mm-hmm. uh, revolving camera. You go around and you get to like uh, tap into the different parts of this world. Where did that come from? Was that did that come from like your idea? Did you guys collaborate on? Hey, this is how we want to promote this album in a, this sense of manner. How did that come about? As far as like art, <laughs> so I, I I can take credit for the vibe, but I can't take credit for the three D sort of VR <laughs> idea. That's that was uh, Leo and uh, and Brad that sort of put that idea uh, together and 
So as far as the sort of world goes, that's an idea I had from the two previous records. And I wanted to combine those ideas together and then sort of further it. So there's components from both album arts uh, in there. And so the snowy like hellscape, that's sort of my idea, but that came together. We wanted to do something a little bit different um, than you're normally used to, to, to roll out and also have a hub for pre-orders and things like that as well. So we thought it'd be fun for people to discover the album art by using that little mm -hmm. world and being a part of it and experiencing it in a different way than just taking a look at a, an awesome picture uh, in a two-dimensional plane. So uh, I thought that was uh, something that uh, was a great idea. We'll probably expand that further. I would, you know, if the budget is, is there, I would like to make a little game. That would be really cool, I think, that you could just sort of actually move a character around or maybe it could be first person. Um, but uh, I think that's something I want to do for the for the next record that we work on. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking Doom Eternal Brand of Sacrifice collaborate on a future game. I'm just throwing this out <laughs> there. Awesome. This podcast will be on every major stream out there. So if anyone is out there listening, uh, we know about all the soundtrack, what happened with that, you know, in the last game. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, that's just funny, me. <laughs> uh, quick, funny tidbit. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that. Um, so I had the option of either being a part of the doom eternal soundtrack or doing my first tour with brand of sacrifice. And I took the tour, but I was actually picked to be part of the, uh, the vocal demonic vocal choir that Mick Gordon had put together. Yeah. And, uh, it was in Texas actually. Yeah. I actually have friends who did that. It was in Houston. Wasn't it? I think so. Perhaps. Okay. Okay. I'm not hundred percent sure. on Okay. It, yeah. 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 He actually, he reached out to me to be a part of it because he liked the, the brand of sacrifice, uh, EP, uh, the material from that. And, uh, so, uh, unfortunately I'm bummed out. I couldn't do that, <laughs> but I think it might've been for the greater good <laughs> of the band. Hey, uh, I think you got to kill two birds of one stone in that sense. That's, that's one way to put at it. Uh, uh, you know, let's talk about the sound now, Deathcore. You can talk about Deathcore all you want, but this is, metal at its finest it was so bold so resounding pummeling wide dynamics within your vocal range bludgeoning breakdowns riff after riff i'm surprised to even have a head that's upright talking to you right now you know <laughs> from songs like dawn demon king altered eyes which is a single that just dropped recently uh mortal vessel vengeance the title track this could not be more well crafted and you guys even mixed in with like with synths and orchestrations like I said, album of the year contender. Again, I'm just one voice out of millions out there. I'm sure a lot of people can't agree with me. So how much did things change when you guys first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Uh, did nothing change? Was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with Lifeblood? Actually, it did change a little bit. Um, hmm. So we started off with more new metal influence, actually. Um, and, and I actually love, uh, sorry, I'm mean interrupting, you, but yeah, I no, love no. how new metal is actually kind of making a comeback. So yeah, it's yeah. very interesting to hear that take from someone like you, but anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, yeah, we started off a little bit more new metal influenced, uh, a lot more like slipknot vibes and stuff like that. And there are more industrial elements. And I think we, we kept some of those things, but, uh, we found that I think we wanted to do something that was even more different. Cause I think that's something that has been accessed a little bit hmm. uh, and touched upon a little bit in Deathcore, but not a ton, but I think we just sort of felt like it wasn't the right directions, but we ended up keeping a number of riffs from many of those initial ideas. 
and then adding them into songs like Lifeblood and um, even Demon King has a couple of riffs from the original sort of drafts that we did. Um, as far as vocals go, that was all pretty much um, done over time on the final songs that you hear. Uh, there was one that we actually canned that I did pretty much finish, but um, as far as the sound went, we sort of started with that new metal direction and we changed it. And then we ended up filtering a couple more songs that we just mm. felt weren't up to snuff in that sense. And then I think the last song that we actually wrote was Lifeblood, uh, the title track. That was the last song. Cause I said, I think we need another song that calls back to a couple of songs from our previous releases in a sense, but also furthers the, the sound that we're going for. So um but yeah, there was definitely a few edits. It wasn't a, a vision that started off. It was sort of built over time. And I'm sure there was a sense of comfortability in the studio for you and the rest of the guys, knowing that you had someone like Leo uh, working on this album. Oh, yeah, it's uh, him and I. He's the best person I've ever worked with in general from any standpoint, uh, whether it's production or writing or, or anything like that. We can really work together well and efficiently, too, uh, for the most part. So. I wouldn't really want to work with anybody else, to be honest with you. Um, he's he's a very humble guy, but he's you know he's another <laughs> breed of human. I think so. I think I think that's that's a good thing, considering you know it's easy to. I don't want to say it's easy. I mean, I mean the traditional thing is yeah, you have the album, give it to some a different producer who's you know in the band, and then kind of tag team back and forth. But having someone like Lee or having knowing that this is how you guys want to sound on stage and in the production booth. You know, I think that's, I think that's a very creative department that Leo exhibits within himself. And that also, you know, kind of just revolves the rest uh, around the rest of the band. I think it's kind of the chemistry that you guys have kind of just evolved throughout their career. Now uh, I want to throw a few more names at you. Members of bands like I prevail Immure, shadow of intent traders, Vesera, those bands play a part in constructing live blood. You had guest vocals and instrumentals, you know, performed on a few of those songs. What was that experience like bringing in outside professional artists and their respective music fields into your world? Did it make the process that much easier? Yeah, I think we, we had an idea of who we wanted to be uh, featured on the record and we sort of crafted the parts that they're featuring on for their style, I think. So like, for example, the the part that Tyler from Traders is on, that mm -hmm. section was definitely built to be inspired by Traders in that sense and how they would approach things, but with the boss flavor, of course. But I think <laughs> that was something that we had in mind. Uh, and I think we wanted to access the, the metalcore world a little more too, because I think that's something that has been a focus of ours lately is that we want to have this be a record that's for any kind of metal fan, whether you're into death metal or metalcore or just other types of alternative music, there's probably something there that's a little more accessible than some of the more extreme metal out there. So we thought it'd be a good idea to have a couple of metalcore names like Frankie and Eric from I Prevail and such. So, yeah, I think that really showed dedication to your craft and really brought out the album to a whole, at, at least from my perspective. I don't know if you've seen the comments on all the singles that you guys have put out it's it's from fans all over the world man like you're talking about man I'm, I'm usually into symphonic metal this is amazing this is i'm i'm in a black metal this is this is really tapping into a different dimension of what i usually listen to you know between writing and structuring the songs and the production process 
Brand of Sacrifice, and for my listeners who don't know, draws its name from the popular 90s anime series Berserk by Kentaro Mura. And Lifeblood focuses on a series, you know, of Dark Horse protagonists on, on that character Guts. That's his name. And a lone wolf who faces demons both inside and out in a post-apocalyptic world. I feel like I need like a campfire here to like tell the story. You know, you had <laughs> and then you had uh, the singles like you mentioned, you know, uh, like um, uh, Demon King, Lifeblood, Animal, and then Altered Eyes that just dropped. So let me ask you this, Kyle, you know. To what level do you guys like to have a theme for your records? Is that is that more about helping you guys write or sound, or is that more for the audience? Like, how important are themes to you guys? So the the theme is pretty important. I think the last record we focused on the the God Hand for the most part and their interaction with the world and how it affected different characters. Um, in, in this, uh, and oh, just for those who who are not aware, the God Hand is is a group from the series Berserk that is sort of all powerful and oversees uh, the way the, the direction of the world is going to go. Um, for this record, I wanted it to be a little more personal in a sense to have it from the perspective of mostly guts, the main character. Um, but I also wanted to write it a little more high level in some ways. So the average person can maybe, maybe able to connect with what's going on and the emotions that guts feels and it tied into, you know, things like survival and, dealing with loss and in a way that's uh, more human in that sense and not as a, a fantasy like as Godhead. Um, but it's important to us. Uh, it's hard to say if that's, I don't know how to answer that exactly because originally the band was started off for fun as a side project, merely to just do one EP and call it that. Like it wasn't something that was meant to be a real band, if anything. Um, so the, the theme is sort of stuck, but it would initially wasn't even something that I thought was going to continue past that EP. So, um, we've continued it. Will that theme continue of the, the manga or the anime? Maybe not, uh, on the next record, but I think a theme of some sort is important to a record to, to sort of tie everything together. I always wonder when it comes to something like this, because it's very interesting the way you guys have drawn out your theme. You know, you can talk about the anime series, but then I was wondering when you ever think about collaborations, like it's like, okay, this, this is what I want to do. Like, let's say you did, I don't know, an album about star Wars. Oh, okay. George Lucas reached out to me or something like that. I mean, God forbid. I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, you know, something like that. You ever think about, you know, people who are, you know, fans of berserk who have, maybe no connection to metal whatsoever, and then discover you guys. Have you had any interactions like that as far as that is concerned? I always wonder about that. Yeah, we've had both ways. Um, so have had it go both ways. So we've hmm. had people that have been fans of Berserk and they're like, you know what? I usually like more power metal stuff and maybe your standard sort of uh, typical death metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe I'll experiment with this. This is kind of cool or... You know, I kind of like video game soundtracks. Uh, this reminds me of that, like you mentioned, or the Doom Doom Eternal soundtrack. Um, but then we've also had fans that were deathcore fans that nece hadn't necessarily touched anime before or ma manga, and then they they're like, you know what? I watched this anime and my life has changed. <laughs> so that gets me pretty excited because it's it's my favorite and it's a big part of my life. It's a big part of who I am as a person. Um, to see that 
people coming from one arena that I love uh, joining another. So, you know, from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken in, which we've discussed about so far, whether it's the Summer Slaughter Tour, Heavy Montreal, you know, playing with bands like Shadow of Intent, uh, Cattle Decapitation, hating charts worldwide with the music you've already put out, you know, have your aspirations as a person or a band, you know, have they changed or evolved since when you first started performing in the industry? Do you see things differently today? I, I sort of do in some ways. Um, I'm still sort of, it, it's not been a ton of time, so I'm hmm. still taking it in, in some respects. Um, it's, it's weird to me that so many people have listened to the music. I, it's not, it's not weird, but I feel weird about it because I'm not used to something like that, but I'm very thankful for it. Um, as far as where the band is headed in the trajectory and, and the goals, I think those we're trying to think about the next steps always. Um, but mainly I want to tailor things to the people that have been with us since day one and things like that. I, you know, I would love to one day be able to tour a Slipknot or something like that. But, uh, you know, I think we're definitely trying to think about how we can grow as a band and what steps we can take to do that. Um, and uh, I think it's a combination of uh, the releasing the music and outside of the box marketing, which is something we focused on with this record, the VR site and so forth. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. The publications I mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, that's not by accident, man. So don't be surprised if you guys are with Slipknot, even after all, all this craziness is over. I mean, it, I know it's a, it, and you're one of the most humble guests I've had on the show. It's important to stay humble. You know, you don't want to get over your head and anything of all the success that you guys had. And I really love that answer because it shows that you, you're still trying to, you're still furthering yourself as a musician, as an artist, as a performer, and as a person. I think that's all equally important. But, and I, I think that just goes hand in hand with the work that you put out. But Kyle, this has been such an honor. I'm going to let you go here. We're running out of time. But do you have any, man, last words, any shout outs, anything you would like to plug in as far as brand of sacrifice? I don't know, a new music video you can talk about, something like that. I know it's like a week away from the Life Blood drop, but just anything you want to just put out there before we end the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, we've actually, right before I jumped in with you here, we just launched uh, some new vinyl. We restocked the store and it's all uh, based on my favorite uh, characters in the Ninja Turtles. So <laughs> awesome, got, dude. Uh, a red I, I feel uh, I feel like we could do like a just a nerd episode. Just uh, <laughs> uh, that would that'd be a whole different episode by itself. So we'll put that we'll put that in the, on our back pocket. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, we got we got a color of vinyl for all the turtles. Um, and we also put out like an exclusive t-shirt, which has the turtles on it. Um, and then I just want to shout out my friends that were in the bands that I mentioned on our first tour, signs of the swarm. They just put out a new song called the collection, a uh, really cool song, uh, depths of hatred. They have a new record coming out soon and Sentinels just put out a new song as well. So all four of those bands from the beginning tour just put out new music. So uh, check those guys out. And everyone who's listening, this is Kyle Anderson from Brand of Sacrifice. Don't forget to please pick up Lifeblood on March 5th on Blood Blast Distribution. If you can't purchase the record because the bands can't do it without your help, you can listen to this podcast or interviewonfire.com on all major podcast streams out there. Kyle, let's stay in touch, man. Hopefully we can do this one day when you guys come to Dallas. And uh, you be safe out there in Toronto, man. Uh, congratulations on Lifeblood. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I control the largest territory in the world that might have conquered.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.